Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. I don't know about you, but my wife and I love this weather. We really do. I mean, last night about 9 o'clock, we decided to bundle up. Um, after I'd gotten my driveway cleared, we bundled all up, and we went for a nice walk to just enjoy. It was a beautiful sky. Uh, this, the moon was just giving enough sunlight or enough moonlight to, uh, to glisten the trees where the snow had fallen. And I'm telling you, when God paints a picture, he does it right, doesn't he? So I, I want to make sure I say this for every single one of our uh, GCC snowbirds right now. If you're in Florida or if you're in Arizona or you're in one of the Carolinas, you missed a picturesque weekend here in Ohio, okay? So let's all get excited so they hear us be excited about our weather right now, yeah? They missed it. They missed it, yeah. Hey, we are in the middle of a series we just launched last weekend. Josh launched us into this series, Invisible God, and we're in a reading plan that we want to encourage you to join us on. Uh, It is not too late to join us. We're reading for the next 40 days, leading us into Easter through the Gospel of John and the three letters, the the three epistles that John wrote, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Now, it's not too late for you to join in. You might be here today and say, you know what, I'm not a reader. I don't really read anything, any books. I don't know if I can even read the Bible and make sense of it. Well, let me give you a sure-proof way that you can join us and get through this entire reading plan with us. By the way, there's 27 books in the New Testament. In the next 40 days, you're going to get to read four of those books, four of those 27 with us. Isn't that cool? And we're going to get to read four out of 27 together. So here's the, here's the secret that you can do if you're not a reader. Uh, go to Uversion and just simply download it on your mobile app. Uh, and get that mobile app, Android or iPhone on Apple. You can get it either way. And in version, you can actually, in many of the translations of the Bible, you can pick somebody to read it for you. Okay, how easy is that? Now, I will caution you and warn you that most of the readers I can't handle. But there's one that I can handle that I'll encourage you. New Living Translation, which is one of my favorites anyway. I love the reader in that one, so New Living Translation is a great one for you if you want to just listen to it while you're on your way to work or while you're having dinner together. be a great way for you to get involved and be a part of this. These are available uh, at our website. You can also get them at our giving boxes or at the Connect Center this morning. Now, this series, Invisible God, we have one major premise with this series, and it's this. When we love like Jesus loved, we make an invisible God visible. When we love like Jesus loved, we make an invisible God visible. There's another way to look at this and say this, so let me invert it this morning and give it to you this way. When we fail to love like Jesus loved, we make God disappear. And according to author Peter Peter Scazzaro, he says that the, the highest goal of the Christian life is to love well, and I believe that. I believe if you were to take Christianity and you were to boil it down, and reduce it to its most elemental form, what you'd be left with is one single word, and that word is love. What is it that we often hear people say when they are criticizing Christianity? We often hear people say those Christians don't act alike, like, a lot like their Christ. They don't actually act like the one they claim their allegiance to. They don't look anything like the Jesus of the New Testament. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that. And here's today's big idea. It is impossible to love well as long as you live at the center of your world. Let me say that again. It is impossible to love well 
as long as you live at the center of your world. The Bible is filled with commandments. In fact, there's hundreds and hundreds of commandments in the Bible. But did you know that Jesus only gave us two? That's it. Jesus is only responsible for two commandments. So when Jesus comes to earth, the Jews are following religiously over 600 laws and commandments, written and oral. And you would think that Jesus coming from heaven and being God, he would pile on another 600, but he doesn't. What he does is he only gives us two. And they are designed to fulfill all the other commandments, and they are designed to replace them, as it were. And here are the two. The first one we know is called the Great Commandment. It's found in, in the three uh, Gospels, Synoptic Gospels, but let's read it from Mark chapter 12. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. It is a repeating of what was written in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. It's the great commandment, the most important one, Jesus said. But then, in John's Gospel, chapter 13, Jesus gives us what is called the new commandment. Here it is. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Another way to say that, and another translation says, your love for one another will prove that you belong to me, that actually you are one of my followers. And so time doesn't permit us to talk about both of those commandments this morning. I want to zero in today on the new commandment. Here's the question. What was new about this commandment? Well, there are several things that I think we can draw out of this that are really significant for us this morning. The first one is that word commandment. It actually is a word that is not like the words that are used of commandment in the Old Testament. It is a word that could literally be translated direction. Here's really what Jesus was saying. I am giving you today a new direction to live your life. You have been going in this direction, but I want you to move in this direction. I want you to go in a completely different direction. And here's the reality about direction. Direction will always determine our destination. This is the law of the path. I don't care what road you're on. I don't care what way you're driving. It doesn't make any difference. Your direction will always determine your destination, even when you're going in the wrong direction. My sister, a number of years ago, was coming out to visit us here in Ohio. She still lives where I grew up, uh, west of, uh, of Philadelphia in eastern Pennsylvania. And it was before the days of GPS, and I mentioned to her that, that this is kind of the direction you want to go. There's only two roads you have to worry about. The first road is 76, it's the, it's the uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike, and, and then 70. And you're going to want to get on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, you're going to want to go east. I don't know whatever possessed me to say go east. And she took my direction seriously. Two hours later, she arrived at the Atlantic Ocean, turned around and realized she was at the wrong place, and four hours total later, she went off the same exit to get her breakfast. Okay, four-hour trip, and she got nowhere. Now, GPS was supposed to solve all that, right? I'm not a big fan of GPS. I love the technology. 
I simply don't trust the outputs. I still have this internal bearing about, about directions that I always have to kind of double check things. My GPS not too long ago had me going around a block in circles, telling me that was the direction to go. Just last week, I was, I was driving uh, with an individual, and the GPS had us go down a dead, and I'm not kidding you, a dead-end road. We could see it on the GPS map. It was not going anywhere, but that's the road that the GPS was leading us. I love the technology. I just simply don't trust the output. And reality is this. Even with GPS, you've got to know your destination. You've got to plug it in before it can even begin to attempt to give you the direction that you need to go. Now, what's so striking about this is the timing that Jesus says this. This commandment, a new commandment, is sandwiched right between Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Oh, yeah. He got on his knees, and he took off whatever shoe apparatus they had on in that day, and he knelt down with a basin of water, wrapped himself with a towel, and he washed 24 bare, dirt-covered feet. And then just a few hours later, Jesus is arrested. Jesus is betrayed. Jesus is, is, is accused of treason, and he is sentenced to die a criminal's death by execution of Roman crucifixion. That is, the, that is the context in which Jesus says this. So I am giving you a new direction. This is not the direction you've been going, but it's the direction if you're going to follow me that you've got to go. Here's what he said a few verses later after washing their feet. I did this as an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, a servant is not greater than his master. A messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Notice where the blessing comes. Not from knowing which direction you should travel, but from actually traveling the direction that you should travel. It's not enough to know which way we should live our life, right? What God is saying is we've got to actually live it out. We've got to actually do it. And that's what he calls us to. The second really important thing that I want you to see about this new commandment is this word love. Now, in the Greek language, there were several words that were used to communicate and, and portray this idea of love. One of the words was a word that was used of physical or romantic love, speaking about the love of a husband and a wife. Another kind of love, a different kind of love, same word, was used to communicate a love a parent feels to a child, and hopefully that child feels back to a parent. When I say that I love my kids, when I say that I love my grandkids, I do not mean it in the same way as when I say I love my wife, right? Same word, different message. So when Jesus is trying to grab a word that would communicate what it was he wanted to say, there was not really a word in the human language that could communicate it. No combination of the alphabet could say what kind of love here Jesus has in mind. So he does what only God can do. He actually creates something out of nothing. He attaches a meaning to this word that was virtually non-existent before the New Testament. It is the word agape. 
And yet what's so striking about this word agape is the word actually is the word that is most used in the New Testament for love. It appears almost 260 times as a noun or a verb. And here's what's so striking. Jesus says, I'm going to attach a new meaning to a new direction. And what is this new meaning of love? Well, the word agape actually is a word that has to do with the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. It is not it has nothing to do with a natural inclination of love. It has nothing to do with feeling. It has everything to do with will and it actually is a is a love that was first revealed and first lived in the person of Jesus Christ and now he expects it to live in those of us that are his loyal followers. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 calls love the first evidence of God's spirit. Here's what that means. Nothing gives us away. Nothing proves that we are his disciples. Nothing says we belong to God like when we love like he did. And you know what? It is impossible to do that as long as you live at the center of your world. And Jesus knew it. So Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to live a new love. I'm giving you a new commandment, a new direction. Love each other. How do we do it? Just as I have loved you, just as I got down on my knees and I washed your feet, just as I'm about to go to the cross and give my life for you, in that same measure, in that same manner, now I want you to experience and express that kind of God love manifest inside of your lives. And here's the reality. We simply cannot do that in our own flesh. We cannot love the way Jesus did in our own strength. We've got to do it through his Holy Spirit. How's this agape love expressed? Well, here's the classic verse, John 3, 16. We all know it. God loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son that, so that everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. Most of us know that verse, John 3, 16. What we don't know is the complementary verse that only God could design this way. Only God could put this together like this. 1 John 3, 16. So we just read John 3, 16. This is the letter he writes later, 1 John 3, 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, but it doesn't stop there. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. That's what agape love, that's what this God love living inside of us looks like. This is what this new commandment is really all about. And so what does that mean? How do we live this out? Well, I think it means, first of all, that God expects us to love with no strings attached. You see, they always loved in the Old Testament, but it was a love that was always conditional. There was some kind of connection, something, some term or condition that you had to fulfill, but not so in the new commandment. The new commandment was about loving with no strings attached. John Maxwell, in his book, The Treasure of a Friend, says this, love is based on what it gives, not what it gets. Love stays alive by serving the other, not seeking to be served. Love is willing to sacrifice without seeing or expecting a return. 
love doesn't make, this doesn't make sense, but the more love gives up, the stronger love becomes. That's profound. Because when we love unconditionally, we make God appear supernaturally. All of a sudden, God shows up when we love like Jesus loved. It also means that God expects us to love beyond our preference, which means God expects us to love people that we dislike. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 5. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Come on, let's be honest. How many of you here wish that verse was not in the Scripture? Come on, let's be honest. Okay, it's okay. I wish it wasn't. I wish I wasn't called. This is really a tough part of loving like Jesus loved, isn't it? I mean, it's easy to love your friends. It's really easy to love and serve your family. It's easy to love your followers and your fans. What's really tough is loving people who don't love you back. In fact, people who actually despise you and mean you harm. I want to make this really personal for a moment. I want to drill down on this idea, and I don't want anybody in this auditorium to give me any kind of physical response to what I'm about to ask you. But in your heart, be honest about this question. How many of you here hate ISIS? I think if we're honest, when we see their brutality and we see the pure evil that is existing through the way they're conducting themselves, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that every single one of us here that there's no real love lost for those individuals. And yet Jesus calls us to hate what they do, to hate what motivates them, to hate what they stand for, and yet not hate them as individuals created by God, created to be redeemed by God. When was the last time you prayed for ISIS? Not to stop what they're doing, but to come to faith in Christ. When was the last time you prayed? God, let them experience your love in a way that will compel them and motivate them to give their lives to you. I know this is hard, and I know this is uncomfortable, but the reality is as Christ followers, this love that came through God in Jesus is the same kind of love now that he calls us to live out, the same kind of direction. In fact, he adds this in Matthew chapter 5. If you love only those who love you, what reward? What reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. And we may even add there, even ISIS. Love those who are kind to them. I think it means that we've got to love beyond our preference. God expects me to love those who dislike me. And God also calls me to love the same way and for my love to look just like his love does. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 8. Whoever does not love does not know God. Let that settle for just a moment. 
Let that settle for just a moment. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Did you know God is a four-letter word? God is a four-letter word. L-O-V-E. Love is God in motion. So let me give to you a holy equation this morning about God. In mathematics, they would refer to this as the transitive property of equality, which just simply means this. A, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. That's the transitive property in equality, right? If A equals B, I'm going to slow down for some of you who aren't strong math. A equals B, B equals C, then A equals C. So here is the holy equation. John goes on to say in verse 16, he repeats what he just said. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Now juxtapose that with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Watch this. If God is love and love is patient and love is kind, then God is patient and God is kind. And guess what? God expects his followers to look like him. God expects his followers to not live with the world revolving around them because when we do, God disappears. But to live our life in such a way that God actually begins to appear because we actually are looking like God. We actually are doing the things that God calls us to do. Love is patient. Love is kind. These are really tough words, but these are the words that God gives us. Now, I can tell you, and I don't know how many of you would agree with me, but how many of you here just say, I'm just not a patient person, okay? I just struggle with patience. Patience is not my spiritual gift, okay? It's just not. When God was giving out patience in heaven, I got tired of waiting in line, and I jumped into another line, okay? Because patience is just not my thing, right? And yet God calls me to have it. God also calls me to have kindness. And here's what's so interesting about this kind of love. The kind of love that first lived in Jesus, that now he calls to live in us, is a love that will live with you as long as you are breathing and as long as blood is flowing through your veins. There is nothing better than paying off debt, is there? You know, when you pay off a vehicle, when you pay off a home, when you pay off any kind of debt you have and you get that bank statement, that contract, that agreement that shows, man, paid in full, there's nothing better than that. I keep them in a very important place. I just want to look at them from time to time, remind myself. But did you know as a follower of Jesus Christ, you'll never be debt-free? You will have debt until the day you die. I, I know that's going to bum some of you out, but here's what the Scripture says, Romans chapter 12, or chapter 13. Give to anyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding. Wow, that sounds good. Except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. That's the new commandment. 
Now, I am a weird person. Okay. I, one of my highlights of my day is going to my mailbox. Okay. I, I love going to my mail. I love opening the mailbox. Anybody else here like that? They just love to grab their mail. And I, and I, and I know that most of it's going to be bills, right? Most of it's going to be things I got to pay. But I love going and just kind of looking through the mail, finding what's in there, and hey, today you got mail. Isn't that great? When we go to our mailbox, there are debts we open from time to time, debts that God calls every one of us to have until the day we die. Now, I love zipping open my mail, okay? And I love doing it with a letter letter open. I mean, I just love the sound, the feel. I got this in Peru. Just love, love the feel of this. How many of you are people, you just, you just tear your envelope open. Can I hear you? If, you just, if you're just one of those people, you're animals. You're animals. I bet you squeeze the, to, squeeze the tube of toothpaste from the middle too, don't you? Okay? You're that kind of person. Okay. Now I zip it open with my letter opener. And listen, there, there are some debts that you got to pay. One bill is the debt called love. It's always due. It's always in grace period. We as followers of Jesus Christ are not called to live with us at the center of our world. We're called to live with Jesus at the center of our world. And following Jesus means that we will always have the continuing debt to pay, the debt of love. But this debt manifests itself in two ways according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. If we can put that back up on the screen. The first debt is that love is patient. Very interesting. It's an interesting word because it's actually the passive aspect of love. The idea of being patient means that there is great distance, a long distance between you and your anger. You're not a person with a short fuse. You give people the benefit of the doubt. The word actually in the original language is a word that's translated long-suffering. It means to keep putting up with, even when you don't feel like it. And you know what's so interesting in the New Testament? This word patience is only a few times attached to circumstances. Most of the time, this is attached to people. This is a people virtue. Because let's be real. Where does our patience wear thin? Where is our patience most tested? It's with people. And it's often with people that we are closest to. And so what does God say? God says, I am patient. I am long-suffering. And listen, you have an outstanding debt that you'll never pay off. And that means you've got to continue to be patient. You've got to continue to put up with. You've got to absorb in your spirit. This is not an active word. This is a passive word. It's something you take in. You just simply grin and bear it. Not easy, but doesn't stop there, and I'm glad it doesn't. God said there's another debt that we'll always have to pay, another debt that the Scripture talks about in Corinthians, because love is patient, God is patient, but love is also kind because God is kind. This idea of a debt, this debt of kindness, is the active side of love. What is it that God uses to help us to manifest him and show him and make an invisible God visible when our patience is being tested? It's kindness. 
This is really a hard quality and virtue to quantify. But, but here's the reality. When you see it, you know it. You always recognize kindness when it happens. And the interesting thing about kindness is it's real easy to be kind to people who are kind to you. That's what the scripture says. You know where the rubber meets the road? With those people who are testing your patience. With those situations that are testing your patience. And your patience is wearing thin. God, help me love like you love. Help me realize I got a debt that I'll never pay off. Because you're patient and because you're kind, you call on me to do the same. And when we do that, when we love like Jesus loved, when we live when we're not at the center of our world, something happens. God becomes visible. God's love becomes real. And people actually are inspired and influenced because of what they saw lived out in our lives. So here's the questions as we close this morning. Number one. Are you living in God's direction or in your own direction? He gave us a new commandment. That new commandment is a new direction. And so reality is this. We cannot be patient and kind. We are not born with those virtues. They are learned behaviors. But even though we're not born with them, when you are born again, they are available through God's Spirit. And so are you living in your direction or are you living in God's direction? And more importantly, are you living your life in such a way through patience and kindness that people are seeing an invisible God become visible? They're looking at your life and saying, you know what, there's no way that person could do that without God in them. My heart to you today is this. The Lord would ask each one of us to love like he loves so that we can make an invisible God visible. And the only way to do that is not live at the center of our world. Put him at the center of our world. Let's pray. Father, this morning we acknowledge that we simply can't love like this without you. This is just too difficult. It's something that in our own flesh we're going to fail over and over and over again. And so, Lord, I pray specifically this morning for those in this auditorium, first of all, who have not been choosing your direction. They've been choosing their own direction. They've been doing and living their life according to their own GPS entry. And yet today, Lord, you're calling them to put the destination of God in there begin to live like you lived, begin to follow you with their heart. And so I pray in Jesus' name that you'll help that individual today to move in your direction, to stop choosing their own, and to choose you first. I pray secondly, Lord, for those that are here today who are struggling with impatience. They're struggling to be a person who is patient with others maybe even those they love, they love very, very much. God, whatever is the source of the stretching of our patience, I pray that you'll help us. Help us, God, to trust you and help us to be more like Jesus 
And then help us to cover, Lord, our impatience with kindness. And bring your grace, Lord, into every situation. So that, God, we can do something that will make a difference in that person's life. We ask you, Lord, to be with us. We pray your spirit would find a more central place in our life so that, God, we could live in your direction and so that we can manifest your love to those we come in contact with. We thank you and we praise you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Before you go this morning, here's my challenge. I want you to identify the person, the source of your impatience this week. Think about the situation or the individual who has been testing your patience. And I want you to think about them like God does. And and the second thing I want to invite you and encourage you to do this week, and this will probably be the same individual, but I want you to find a way to show them kindness. Maybe it is somebody at work. Maybe it's a neighbor who's not shoveling your driveway, testing your patience. Maybe it's somebody in your family, somebody close to you. But I want you to do something for an individual this week who's testing your patience, not somebody that deserves it. Kindness is easy to show to people who deserve it. Where it's tough is when they don't. And let God use you this week to make the invisible God visible. God bless you. Thanks for being Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.